Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Story Show. And we're being quiet and weird because we're actually in a restaurant yeah, next to a road. We're, we're outside. It's beautiful out, actually. It's a gorgeous day. It's sunny, a little in breezy. In our neighborhood. We're in our neighborhood, but up by a busy road. Mm -hmm. And um, we forgot to do this in our round one that didn't work, which is, what are you working on? Well, I'm glad that that round didn't work. Right? It was a dress rehearsal. Um, I am currently now, uh, well, we have some rejections rolling in for the film, so that's very exciting. And um, I'm now sort of working on developing the framework for this summer's uh, experimental project. And, you know, I'm having, I guess the other thing I'm, I don't know if this is, counts as working on something or just fantasizing. Which is a fine line because it's or a it step, really one is. step, yeah. But I keep thinking I I need a little getaway. I need a little slow down, no internet, get back to just uh, you know the original tools of pencil, paper, and a book, and just stop for a second because I'm in a moment of feeling a lot of overload. You have a lot on your plate right now, yeah. in various plates. You're juggling plates. I am a plate juggler. You're spinning plates on, like, uh, sticks. But not well. So a lot of them are you flying know, off into corners. They're not, though. It just feels awkward while you're doing it. And then I guess I would like to be working on another beer. So. All right. Well, I am having one of those days that I have every, I guess, six days where I'm like, oh God, I think I need a day off. Mm -hmm. like I've, I'm like, I've planned Like you to and God. <laughs> yes. Every six days. <laughs> exactly. I, I just like, I was like, okay, I'm in a gung-ho and it's like, it's partly because I'm doing this process still of retyping and re, you know, and like just churning, churning through this manuscript and it's, time intensive and slow mm -hmm. powerful and exciting and whatever but and it's just and then I think the other thing that happens and I think I feel like this happened last podcast was that is that I I have to figure something out like something's gone a little bit awry mm -hmm. and I can't just power forward because that's not what this draft is about so I have to go back and figure something out and change something isn't there a Robert Burns poem is there of dented through the rye through the what? The rye. Something through the rye. I have to look that up. All right. So when you said something went awry, I was thinking of the... Something through the rye. Yes, well, I, I want... Like, and the gloaming. And the gloaming. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm... The gloaming and the rye. That's good. Yeah. Well, so, gloaming. Um, that's... Yeah. What? Nothing. Go ahead. That's it? I don't have anything to say either. So this okay. is going to be a good podcast. <laughs> I do have something to say. All right. We're going to look today uh -huh. at a passage from The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, uh -huh. which just didn't win the Pulitzer. That is cool. But it was, the, it, was, it was a runner up. You know, I actually, there was, when I was in grad school, one of my teachers sort of was like, look at the people who win Pulitzer Prizes and like how many, if you were to look at from like 19, you know, yeah. 70 or whatever like previous years like who are we still reading and right. it's an interesting thing so maybe being runner-up to an yeah. award actually has its own benefits well I've been thinking about Jennifer Egan who certainly isn't like floundering in obscurity but because I've just re-listened well mm -hmm. 
I listened to two of her books that I had previously read. Right. And I just think she's so brilliant. And she's talking about these things that are like very of the moment. They're actually a little ahead of the moment, but because mm. she did it, you know, 10 and 15 years ago or whatever, it these feels books, really now. Well, it, it's not quite like the accurate way that it actually came to be, but it's, but the concepts and the philosophy and the emotions of it are really accurate. So she's grappling with all this stuff that is just so interesting to think about in this moment, even though um, she's not, of course, getting every detail right of how the future turned out now that we're in it. Well, what? That seems like dumb. What? Now that we're in it, it should be right. It should be the way Jennifer Egan pictured it. Maybe. Maybe. Although it's frightening the things she did get right, you know. So anyway, I just think she's brilliant. And I think she's somebody, you know, who will be read more. Mm-hmm. Um, but why are we talking about Jennifer Egan? Well, because we're talking about who's read. You were mm-hmm. the Pulitzer thing, mm-hmm. right? Your teacher. But anyway, so now we're going to, so now I'll read this passage from, shall Not I? Not Jennifer Egan. No, this is Rebecca, Rebecca Mackay. And, and this is, um, that sounds like a very Scottish name. I don't know. But the narrator, or the point of view character is Yale. Uh-huh. And um, he's in a small bathroom with Julian at a party. There's a big party outside. And Julian is somebody who yells lover, boyfriend, whatever, Charlie keeps accusing him of like hooking up with. Um, But they're supposed to be monogamous and blah, blah, blah. So now he's in this moment where he's in the bathroom and Julian's like followed him in and they're in this little bathroom and this happens. And I have two separate notes, but I think and hope they lead one to the other. So Julian turned and gave him a sad, beautiful smile. Can you imagine the party when they cure it? Yeah. And Julian, Julian always thinks that they're going to cure AIDS really soon. And this is in the eighties when they, there's not really that is not about to happen right then. Um, and Julian didn't look away. It was a small bathroom and they were only two feet apart. And the longer they stood there, the more Yale felt as if he and Julian had entered into physical contact, chest to chest, thigh to thigh. The fact that they hadn't, that the room smelled like urine, was irrelevant. It was probably just lingering guilt over the whole ridiculous non-existent Teddy issue, another person that Charlie thinks Yale's gone off with. But then again, neither of them had moved in a long time, and really it was something else. It was an invitation on Julian's part. He'd made casual invitations in the past. Whom did Julian not invite? But there was something alarmingly sincere in the unbroken line between their eyes. This was the look Yale realized with a jolt of someone desperately in love. Julian said, Yale. Yale glanced at the door. Certain Charlie would burst through, would save him from having to think. But there was no one there. And when he looked back, Julian had taken a step forward had shrunk the small distance between them by half. Julian's eyes were wet, his lips parted. Yale said, we have to get back out there. It hit him as he re-entered the party, Julian behind him, that perhaps Charlie had been onto something after all. And he never would have said, Julian's in love with you, because that would have made it worse. What mortal wouldn't fall for that, at least a little bit? To know that someone was longing for you was the world's strongest aphrodisiac. And so Charlie made it instead about Yale about not trusting him, 
There was a lot that suddenly made sense. In the 20 feet between the bathroom door and the bar, his world had shifted on its axis. So um, we had discussed the difference between a long one and a short scene. This was short. Oh, this was a short scene. Okay, just checking. Yeah, beautiful. All right. So if you want to look at it, it's very tiny right here. Okay. So what my question for us is, do all the seven steps happen in this sort of short piece of like a scene? Sure. So should we look at it? Okay. Sure. So you have to be sincere. This is how this has to be a real. It's just that I don't have my glasses on and you're reading from a teeny tiny phone. You just have to go like this. Okay. Well, here, let's just go through our memory. So he goes into the bathroom, not knowing uh, how Julian feels, right? Right. So he has one set of expectations. He leaves the bathroom and the world is shifted on its axis. Right. Right. So that's definitely fits sort of the shape of a story, right? Right. So then so that so the ordinary world then is that his his lover is jealous of of a lot of people but specifically julian and teddy and teddy and then uh the inciting incident is for him to realize like oh they are actually having a moment right like they're trapped in this small bathroom. But they're not really well, trapped, they're, they're, right? They're and so his bathroom. act one decision is to look for help. Right. Right? He looks behind him. The new information is that when he turns back around, this person is both physically closer but also emotionally so. Right. That it's not just a physical thing, that he suddenly realizes that Julian loves him. Right. And so his low point then is his sort of awkward stepping out of that situation right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the charlie the charlie's like made it about yale and about not trusting him so he's sort of stepping away from julian and realizing that charlie mm-hmm. has sort of used this not trusting yale to kind of disguise julian's love for yale so that's a sort of isolation that is yeah. part of low point right yeah and also the because he acknowledges, like, if he had thought that, who wouldn't fall for that a little bit as well? Right, right, right. right. Which is, all, I don't know if that's a little mix of, like, final battle in there. Well, I think the final battle is him, he has a choice. He could follow it right then, right? But he doesn't. He chooses to leave. And actually, I mean, what's interesting about what happens later, mm-hmm. like, after they get home or whatever, is... or. Somehow, I don't know if he maybe he comes out and he can't find Charlie. I can't remember exactly, but I remember that he walks almost all the way to Julian's house and then turns back. Mm-hmm. So you know, it may you know what I mean. There's a like a little bit more that happens, right? But just for looking at a scene yeah. and nothing yeah. more, I do think you can pretty much go in there and say, yeah, there's seven steps in there. I like it. And the new ordinary world is that he is now in a place where he realizes that this other person feels this way about him right so he goes into the bathroom thinking it's only that his lover is jealous and he leaves the bathroom realizing this person has feelings for him in a real way right and of course you know 
more will be revealed. Bum, bum, bum. Turns so there you go. And, yeah. So that's, so that's just, I think, really helpful because, um, because I think, you know, in the same way that, like, when we're looking at the seven steps, we're looking at a kind of drama mm -hmm. that is necessary for story. Absolutely. And it can be, as you often say, it can be a very small, it doesn't have to be car chases, mm -hmm. but it has to be high stakes. Well, think about this also, because that scene plays out differently depending on who each character is. So Yale is a particular character who's got a particular worldview. And there's a certain naivete to his worldview, right? That he's seeing people and thinking about things in a particular way that aren't always, um, well, seeing the worst in people, right? He doesn't start with... No. Oh, this person's fucking around on me. Um, and so that scene played out with someone who anticipates betrayal is different. Right. And so it's really rooted in who he is as a character. Yeah. You don't get through that scene that way if you're talking about someone who expects his partner to be cheating on him and expects that everybody does that. And each detail, so each detail reflects character and you know each of these plot points are really character turns right mm -hmm. they're really that's this way that character and plot are knotted k-n-o-t knotted together right i love that you spell it well because not sounds like the negative but like it's not a verb anyway i like spelling it the k is silent m-e-2 <laughs> My dad used to say, like, someone, like, how do you spell pneumonia? And he would spell it out, and he would say, the P is silent, as in swimming. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, I just think this is something that I'm kind of really not learning, but relearning. Mm -hmm. Like, because I think from my childhood reading, what I, what I loved was going through the world in someone else's head and mm -hmm. having and each and the way they reacted to and understood and assessed things and it taught me how to be in the world in a lot of ways and how to understand things and how to have empathy and all mm. of that and i think but here's to the point that you started this with which was is there a beat level mm -hmm. seven steps and again i think there's a point at which when your units get so small that you might go into a different what I actually think is true is that beats be are the steps. The steps, right? Each beat is is sort of a step, and mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that they go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, because sometimes you know seven in a scene might set up one, and you know things can collapse, and you know it might be one, two, three, one, two, three. But I think that those turns are there, and each line, each action, and each description, and each line of dialogue, which is an action. And you know, impacts interiority because it's significant and active, mm -hmm. because it's part of the plot. And because we're outside today, I just want to take a quick moment and look across the street, because we have these wonderful um, apartment buildings. And so I'm saying we live in this sort of semi-rural place, and we're on like this super busy street, looking across at apartment buildings, which are actually mostly sheltered by trees. Yes, you can see but a lot of them. It's just you know the details you share paint. A certain picture. Absolutely. The thing I'm sort of fascinated by is here's this person who seems like she maybe lives in this group of buildings 
and just because she's hanging out in her t-shirt like she, her undershirt she looks a little bit like she's in her jammies right and she's got a cup her of coffee slash vodka and <laughs> she's smoking and okay. it's you know and yet she's sort of kicking it here she's looking us up on, on bodega highway she's on her phone too yeah i just want to say but it's like you know when you have what did people do like 30 years ago? Was she there with a magazine or a book or was she just there like staring up at the sky, exhaling? I think she was. Was she inside watching TV? Was she like, what was she doing when she well, didn't have a phone? She could have probably smoked in her house. So I think you're right. She was probably watching TV and smoking inside her house. <laughs> and and then... she's into whatever she's looking at. Like she's peering, peering at her phone, holding it with both hands, including the cigarette hand. Something's in there. I know. It's my good hand. It's my cigarette She's hand. She's got her sunglasses on. She's but what's sort of interesting to me is that, again, this is like, we don't have a lot of big roads here. <laughs> so what she's actually doing is she's looked for a place to kind of sit down, settle down, have some me time. They're probably not allowed to smoke deeper in. Cause like I know, she, I know. But it's just a really interesting yeah. thing to me when you look at the, you know, a lot of people would sit on, like when we lived in, when I lived in Santa Cruz, we would sometimes like just hang out on the front porch or we'd hang out whatever and in part because people you knew would be walking by and you know it was a, a way of being sort of interactively social so that's what actually strikes me as odd about this is that she's sitting on perhaps the biggest traffic lane in Sebastopol and getting her me time with a cigarette like on three lanes of traffic it's just weird but yet, you know, is it? Where would you go? There, she could walk over the cemetery. Yeah. The corner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mostly intrigued by how absorbed she is by her phone. I'm a little bit intrigued as to why they haven't come back to offer us anything else. Maybe because they see us recording this podcast and they don't want to disrupt it with meaningless fluff when we're so intellectually engaged. Let's talk something. about steal this, and maybe okay. that'll inspire them to come with your beer. Okay. All right. Plus, you could wave, you know. Anyway, it Professional is poets. No, amateur poets. <laughs> Professional poets borrow, too. Let's face it. Yeah. But when they're really hot, 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 they steal. Okay. So what have you come across in your wanderings this week that you want to take and make your own? I will start. Thank you. Because I was listening... Oh, and look. It's Joe and Andy. Oh, that's awesome. They can come be on <laughs> yeah, our podcast. They totally can. All right. <laughs> Would you guys like to join us? We are in the final. Have a seat. Have a the seat. final five minutes of recording our podcast. This is our podcast, and you guys are You guys are, are part our, of our guests, but you don't have a microphone, so that's like somewhat disempowering. That's okay. It's kind of a metaphor for you know who gets a platform. It might be. It's easier than the written word. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, so let's just wrap this right. up really quickly. Since, Our know. friends have joined us. We were analyzing the woman across so, the street. Because I'm sort of baffled by her getting some me time on Bodega Highway. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like... <laughs> and honestly, I keep talking louder and louder about it. Yeah. So it's also possible she's heard me several times. She might times. come way in. <laughs> she, was, she was kicking it last, last time we were here. Ah. And just to say, we're here getting some me time on Bodega Highway yeah. also. We 
we're doing the same thing. We're right. We're just, it's just, we're, we're just paying, paying a lot more. more. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We're going to just quickly wrap this up because the end of our podcast is steal this. So we're just going to talk Amateur about. Amateur poets borrow. Professional poets steal. What is something you've come across in your wanderings and readings that you want to take and make your own? So I was driving down to Marin to see my friend Reed. And I came and I was listening. Her friend is not named Reed. Her friend was doing a reading. Was doing a reading. Oh, now the beer is coming. Okay, right. so you're you're going down to Marin to see your friend for this. Reed. Reed. My friend Reed. Reed. <laughs> <laughs> and I was listening to the audiobook of The Keep by Jennifer Egan. And it was the kind of it was actually the what would I call the false ending because then there's like another ending and but it was so dramatic and climactic and fabulous and it had all those beats that we've been talking about and and blah 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 and I just and like I kept like pausing it and making Evernote audio notes mm-hmm. about like mm-hmm. of my own book and it was like it was this incredibly it was like none of it was the exact stuff but it was the energy of it and mm-hmm. the courage of it and the conviction of it that I was able to steal like in that very moment while Great. I was driving, so yay, Jennifer Egan. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I don't have something that's like really striking me right now, except I noticed during my tennis class the other day that um, it was interesting watching this, this woman always a good player but she made a fine adjustment on how she used her body weight with her ground stroke and it became so powerful and it was such a small adjustment and so I think maybe what I want to sort of do is look at what are the small adjustments that take you from being good to being excellent I love that that's what I hope like hell as I'm accomplishing in this past Excellent. And right. still, since no one has written to us yet We're about our say, new Make tech small life. adjustments with Makes, powerful yes. and powerful strides. There you go. And until next week.